There's a lot of things I love to see, but watching the students worship on a Sunday night is one of the best. I am so excited that we're back meeting on Sunday nights. Anybody excited in the room? Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. And what I'm really excited about, too, is I know a lot of you, you brought Bibles tonight, and that is awesome. You got notebooks tonight. I would encourage you guys, take notes as we meet together, as we spend time together. If you want a notebook, we can get one into your hands. But I would encourage you, starting tonight, this fall, set a tone for everything else that's going to happen this fall. I am so excited to be with you tonight. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for this chance that you've given us to gather together in this place. God, thank you for your great love towards us, your compassion towards us. Thank you, God, that you have promised us to equip us with all that we need for life and godliness. And so, God, I pray for every boy in this room, every girl in this room. God, I pray that you'd speak to their hearts tonight. Would you encourage them? I pray that you'd be in this place in a very real and tangible way. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Y'all can have a seat. Well, listen, it's been a long time since I learned how to swim. Like, I've been swimming for a while. I've got it down a little bit, about, I don't know, 32 years or so I've been doing this thing. But I remember vividly learning how to swim. A buddy of mine and I went to a local YMCA in Indiana. So we were little kids. We walked into the YMCA. I'll never forget what it was like in that room. Everybody remember swimming in, like, a public pool and it has that chlorine smell? It's, like, so thick. You're like, I'm going to die while I'm in here. I'm never going to make it out of here. I remember what it smelled like. I remember seeing all the lifeguards around the pool with their whistles around their necks, watching to make sure no kids are going to drown while they're swimming in the pool and everything. I remember everything about it. I remember, too, they gave us these little kickboards, and you'd hold on to the little kickboard. You remember this? And you kick your feet so you could figure out how to make sure you knew how to swim so you didn't drown in the pool, and then somebody gets sued. It'd be terrible. And so you'd be, like, kicking around, and they had these little boards making sure everything's going well. And I would love to tell you that within, like, a couple weeks, I was Michael Phelps. Just like swimming, gliding through the water like a dolphin. But I was more like a Labrador retriever. It's a little messy, you know. But here's what I did learn. I learned how to swim. I, I learned at least how to keep my head above water. I wasn't going to win awards or setting records or anything like that. But I learned how to keep my head above water. Because swimming, swimming in life is essential. Knowing how to swim is essential. We just got done with summer. Maybe this summer you want to go swim in a pool with your friends or swim at the lake with your friends. I grew up on a lake in Kentucky called Lake Cumberland, and I remember we would go tubing and snorkeling and kneeboarding and any kind of activity like this. If you don't know how to swim, guess what? Don't go near the water. Just for your safety, don't go near the water. Swimming is essential. It's an important thing to learn how to do, but it's dangerous if you don't know how to do it. This week, you guys just started school. I know y'all are so excited about it. I could hear it in your voices earlier. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I know you guys are excited about this. You're roaming the halls of the school again. You're on sports teams, spending time with friends. You're, you're doing this whole thing. And we decide as a youth staff, you guys may know how to, like, paddle through water. Keep your head above water. Swim in a lake. Swim in a pool. You may know how to do this, but I think many in the room, you may not know how to navigate the treacherous waters of the world. And I, I, would, I would say that it's more difficult to swim in the world than it is to swim in a pool. These relational, like, wave pools are difficult to navigate. And I think swimming in a lake is much, much easier. So we decided what we'd do for the next five weeks is we want to dive into a series called Swim Lessons. We want to teach you guys how to swim. And not necessarily just from a, a, a lake or pool standpoint, but, like, how to swim within the world that you exist within. The high school that you go to the friends you spend time with, and the teams that you're on. Learn how to swim. You see, Jesus spending time with the disciples, the disciples had to figure out how to swim really quickly as well. 
You see, they lived in a world that was really, really difficult. If you were a follower of Jesus, if you were a disciple, you literally could lose your life for being a follower of Christ. And so to navigate the world they lived in, this was a very difficult kind of thing. And so Jesus spends time with them, is trying to teach them what it looks like to swim within this world as well. At this point in time, Rome is the power of the entire world, in control of almost everything. And Rome did not play games with anybody that was outside of the bounds of worshiping Caesar. If you didn't see Caesar as top dog, you could be dead for it. And so Jesus was saying to his disciples, for three years he poured into them. He was teaching them how to swim within the world they existed within. And the reason he was trying to teach them is because Jesus knew very soon he was going to be leaving. He's going to be giving up his life for the sins of the world. And so we see this story take place in John chapter 16. Jesus is talking to his disciples near the end of his life, toward the end of the book of John. He's spending time with them and he's speaking to them saying, listen, you guys have to understand something. Very soon I'm going to be leaving. And very soon, the world is going to rejoice because I'm going to lose my life. And you are going to grieve. And you're going to grieve because now you're going to be alone. But I've taught you everything you need to know. I've given you all the tools to be able to swim within the world. So Jesus says, you have to be ready for this day. This day is coming. And it's going to be difficult. My son Eli, he just turned seven. And we, he went to swimming lessons like as a little kid, but he went to secondary swimming lessons that my wife signed him up for. I'm like, why are you signing him up for these swimming lessons? He knows how to swim. And she said, no, these are survival swimming lessons. I was like, I thought every swimming lesson is like survival swimming lessons. She's like, no, you don't understand. They're going to teach him how to save himself if he falls into the pool. If he's all by himself, he's got his clothes on, his shoes on, he falls in the pool, he'll know how to survive because he'll go to this training. I'm like, awesome. This costs money? She's like, yes. I'm like, great. So they take Eli, seven-year-old Eli, and this went on for weeks. So he went to this lady over in Irmo, and they taught him how to survive if he were to fall in the pool all by himself. And the very last day, she said, hey, listen, when you bring the kids the last day, I want you to bring them in their full clothing, shoes and everything. Eli didn't quite understand this. He's like five years old at the time. He's like, what have my clothes on? Don't worry about it. So we get to the pool, and the first thing she does, she grabs him and tosses him into the water. He's like, he hits the water, clothes on and everything. It was amazing. As soon as he hit the water, he flipped right over on his back and just started floating. And then she blew the whistle, and he flipped over again, he started swimming right to the side of the, the pool and got out. He was totally fine. I was like, that is some serious training. Survival training, in fact. That way, if he was all by himself, if he were to fall in the water by himself, nobody around to rescue him, he knew exactly what to do to take care of himself. He had been taught. He had been prepared for this. And Jesus, three years of pouring into his disciples, he's having conversations with his followers, saying to them, listen, you have to understand something. I'm not always going to be here. This is going to get difficult. And when it does, you're going to have to know how to navigate the waters of this world because it's really, really hard. So Jesus continues this conversation in John chapter 16, verse 33. Here's what he says. I have told you these things so that in me you may have what? Peace, so that you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So Jesus ends this whole conversation with his disciples about him leaving, and they need to be prepared for this by saying to them, listen, you have to understand, in this world, you will have trouble. Don't be surprised. Don't be caught off guard when your life is at risk. Disciples, you have to understand, when I'm gone, you're going to have to learn how to swim. In this world, you will have trouble. I believe if Jesus were to be standing here today with us, he would have the same conversation with us as well. 
in this world, you will have trouble. Like, I don't want to be depressing or anything, but it's hard. Things happen. You're going to school. You're back in the routine of the normal kind of day-to-day, and the world is not an easy place to be. In this world, you will have trouble. Spending time with your friendships, spending time with people on your sports teams, walking the halls, the cell phone that you hold in your hand, the millions of ways that you can wreck your life just with that one thing. You can text whatever you want. You can look up whatever you want. And so many people wreck their life with just that one thing because they have no idea how to swim in the midst of it. You're going to have people who are going to offer you dumb stuff like vapes and other dumb things. In this world, you will have trouble. In this world, it will be difficult. In this world, you're going to have relationships that you're going to have, and you're going to be tempted to want to go places and do things that you know are not the right context for. In this world, you will have trouble. There's going to be fights that you're going to have with your friends. In this world, you'll have trouble. There'll be fights with your parents. In this world, you'll have trouble. Do you get it? Jesus is saying, don't be caught off guard. Don't be surprised. This world is a hard place to navigate. It's difficult to swim in these kinds of waters. And Jesus says to his disciples, don't be mistaken. You must be ready from when I'm gone. And I believe Jesus would say the same thing to us. Now, I would love to, after this conversation, and kind of laying all this out, be able to pat you on the back and say, hey, but don't worry, because you just get to kind of get in the water easy, nice and easy. But here's the truth. There is no shallow end. There is no shallow end. So again, I'd love to pat you on the back and be like, just kind of make your way into the water. It'll be, everything will be fine. But if you're a freshman in high school, how many know there's no shallow end? Like you hit the water, boom, you're in the deep end right here and right now. There's no other options. Anybody ever been to a pool before where the water's just a little bit too cold? Like my kids love to swim in freezing cold pools. I don't know why. They're like, Dad, get in the water. I'm like, I am, no, I'm not getting in the water. They're like, come on, Dad, get in the water. So eventually I'm like, okay, I'll just, I'm going to make my way into the water. Anybody ever do this when like a cold pool, you kind of like tippy-toe in, the shallow end first, down the steps, you're like, oh, man. And you get a little water, you splash it up on yourself. Does anybody do this or is it just me? Okay, my wife does this too. Then my boys like splash water. I'm like, I will kill you if you do that again. I'm making my way toward the deep end. Give me a second. And eventually you're tippy-toe, tippy-toe, and eventually you just go right in. Who in the room, though, you're not like that. You jump right in the deep end no matter what. Thank you. You are crazy. Here's the, here's the truth, though. In the world that you exist within, in the high school that you go to, in the friendships that you have, all the temptation that's out there, everything that you're going to face, Jesus says, you will have trouble in this world. It will be hard. And there's no shallow end, no option for you to do anything else. I would love to say there's like this grace period when you become a believer, a follower of Jesus, you get to kind of wade back into small temptations so that you're ready for the big temptations when they come. That's not how it works. If you live in the world, if you are living and breathing, you are in the deep end right now. And especially looking at some of you middle school students who just started high school, I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. But then I look at some of these seniors, upperclassmen in the room, and I can say, without a doubt, you can make it. Like, you can do it. You can swim in the midst of all of this. You can make it. As a parent, I took my son Eli to school for the first time on Tuesday. He's a second grader now. And I work with middle school students and high school students all the time, so I know what's coming when he's a second grader. And I'm terrified. I'm going to be honest with y'all. 
I walked into his classroom on Tuesday because for the first couple days you get to walk into their classroom. I'm like, hey, buddy, let's go. He's like, Dad, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, come on. So we're walking. I'm having a good time. And, and I get there. We get to the door, and he's ready for me to leave. But I'm like, I'm not ready. So I, I bend down like, buddy, I, I love you. He's like, Dad, are you serious? I'm like, yes. Can you give me a hug? No. Okay, okay. Well, I'll see, I'll see you later. And he walks on into the classroom. What I see in my head, though, is I see me taking my son, my little baby, and dropping him into the deepest end of the pool. Just ploop. Good luck. I'll see you at home. It's terrifying. Like, I have no control over what's said to him at that school. I have no, I have no control over what kind of influence he's going to have. As a second grade kid, my son comes home talking about these shows, these, these things he's being told by his friends. I'm like, where did you hear that? School. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I know that as a high school student, it gets even more difficult. Like, I realize this is a difficult thing to do. And I'm terrified for my own son. Because look at all the different ways that we're not sheltered anymore. You are not sheltered from the kind of language that you hear in every kind of place. And I don't mean just like cursing, but the things that are said to people. It's so awful. There's no shelter from that. There's no shelter from the way the world does relationships. There's no shelter from that. There's no shelter from the way the world finds value through popularity or social media, whatever it might be. You're not sheltered from that as a Christian. But here's the thing. You should look different. If you are someone who professes to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you should look different than the world. You should learn how to swim in the midst of the world. There's this really incredible passage in James chapter 1, verse 5 through 7. I'll read this for you. It says this. If any of you lacks wisdom... You should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. The person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all that they do. If you're going to make it in the world that you exist within, if you're going to be able to swim, the only way it's going to take place is through wisdom. Asking God to help you navigate all of this. Here's what James says. If you don't, you're going to be like a wave tossed back and forth, left and right. You'll be double-minded in all you, that you do. You won't be stable in anything. Ask for wisdom. As the great Disney theologian Dory once said, you just have to keep swimming. That was a joke. <laughs> keep swimming. For some of you already, you're four days in, you're ready to give up. You had this amazing summer. You went on a mission trip. You experienced all that God had for you. And four days into school, you're like, I'm ready to throw in the towel. This is so hard. Don't do it. Keep swimming. Keep swimming. God has a plan for you. And here's the question for tonight. Are you going to sink or are you going to swim? In the world that you're throwing to, are you going to sink or are you going to swim? After doing student ministry for 14 years now, I've been so proud of so many students who are like, no matter what, I don't care what comes my way. I don't care what temptation happens. I'm going to live for Christ no matter what. But I've also had heartbreak of students who are like, listen, I know I've been doing this thing for a long time, but I'm throwing in the towel and I'm done. Will you sink or will you swim? I love what Jesus says in that passage in John chapter 16. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. Take heart, for I have what? Overcome the world. I have overcome the world. What does this mean, though? 
Here's what this means. Jesus knew that within the world he existed within, there were systems that existed that worked against all of the things of God. Does that sound familiar to you? There are these huge systems that work against all of the things of God. In Jesus' time, it was Rome. Rome was a war machine, the epitome of power, and it couldn't overcome him. At that point in time, it was also the religious leaders, the corrupt system of unhealthy spiritual oppression over him, but it couldn't overcome him. Even death itself could not hold Jesus. He overcame all of those things. And the Bible says that the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives and dwells inside of you. Take heart, for I have overcome the world, Jesus says. And that spirit lives in you. So two lessons I want to give you tonight as we go through this series. The first one is this. Swim with purpose. Swim with purpose. I know there's probably many in the room, I saw some of you tonight, who race, who swim in races and swim to win medals. And that is noble. But you know what the most noble thing to do when it comes to swimming is? Survive. That's all I know how to do. That's the most noble thing to do and learn how to do when swimming. Not die. I want to show you this video of this wave pool in China. Do we have that video? Maybe? Okay. Well, I was in Mexico when I was in high school and spending time with my family on a mission trip. We went to this, um, this big wave pool area, this big water park, kind of like Carowinds or something. And it was called Plaza de Sesimo. It was like this Sesame Street themed uh, water park. And so we all went and spent time there. If you've ever been to a water park in Mexico, it's incredibly dangerous and incredibly scary. Everything is concrete, like everything. And so sure enough, in the middle of the park, there was this big wave pool. So I decided, well, I'll go swim in the wave pool. That sounds fun. So I got into the water. I'm kind of like wading out. Everybody's swimming around, looking around and stuff. And all of a sudden, I get into the middle of this water. I'm like, oh, these waves aren't that bad. They're kind of like coming in to the, to the shore and everything. That's no big deal. My feet can't touch, but I'm, I'm fine with this. When all of a sudden, this big buzzer sounds, like just starts blaring. I'm like, what is going on? And all of a sudden, I realize at the very end of the pool that I'm in, these big things start going up and down. And these waves start coming right at me in the middle of this pool. And they are huge. Instantly in my, in my head, I'm like, I'm going to die. I'm going to die in a wave pool in Mexico. I didn't think this was how this whole thing was going to go down, but I start, I start trying to swim back to the shore. Before I can get there, these waves are huge. And, like, everybody's out of the water except for me. They knew what the buzzer meant, apparently. And so it's going up and down, and I'm not going to lie to you. I got to the point where I'm like, I'm just going to give up because I couldn't keep my head above the water anymore. So I looked around, and my only thought was, I'm not going to die. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do whatever it takes to survive. So I started swimming to the side of the pool as far as fast as I could, but on that side, it was kind of high up, but every time the wave would come, it would lift me up where I could almost reach the edge, and then the wave would go away, and I would fall back down again, over and over and over again. And so literally, I'm like swallowing water, and I'm thinking to myself, this is the end. This is how this whole, whole thing goes down. But I was so determined in my head, I don't care what it takes, I'm going to swim to survive. Whatever it takes, I'm going to make it. When all of a sudden I'm trying to get to the side again, this guy reaches his hand down, grabs my hand, and pulls me up out of the water. Didn't speak English, but I'm like, thank you so much. And he runs off. I'm like, oh, I could not believe it. So I'm like coughing up water. I go to my family. I'm like crying. I'm a high school kid. I'm trying to be cool about it. But I was like, I was going to die. You have to learn how to swim with purpose in the same kind of intensity. In this world, you will have trouble, and the only way that you're going to make it out is by swimming with a purpose for your life. The waves are too big. 
The deep end is too deep. The undertow is too strong for you to make it on your own and just to play around. Man, there are far too many students, even in this room, who are just playing around with their faith. It's just convenient right now, so I'll do it when it's convenient. I'll go on a Sunday morning if I feel like it. I'll spend time in God's Word only when I have enough time or it's kind of I have nothing else to do. You can't do your relationship with God like that. If you want to make it in the world that you exist with, then you have to learn how to swim with a purpose, a real purpose for your life. There is far too much on the line. God has a dream for your life. Do you understand that? He has a plan for each and every one of your lives. He has things that he wants you to, he has a best life prepared for you. And he wants you to experience it. And what that means is you may have to say no to the things you should say no to. And say yes to the things you should say yes to. But only because you have purpose for your life. Learn to swim with a purpose. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says it this way. But you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Look what this says. You are a chosen people, a holy nation. You know what the word holy means? Set apart. Like God has chosen you. As someone who has decided to follow Jesus, God has chosen you and set you apart for an example to the rest of the world. That's purpose. He says you're a royal priesthood. The priesthood was a group of people who stood between God and people to talk to them about what God wants for their life and to be representation of those people back to God. You're a royal priesthood. You're a go-between between God himself and those who are outside of the faith. Then it says you are God's special possession. Maybe even tonight you don't feel like a special possession. You don't, you don't feel that. But God says it's true. This is the way that he sees you. This is your purpose. And then it says, because of this, your job is to go and declare the praises of him who has called you out of darkness and into this glorious light. Your job is to go and live this out in front of people at your school, on your teams, people you come across, so that they too will make the decision to come out of darkness and enter into light. Swim with a purpose. When you get up in the morning and you go to school, I do not want you to think to yourself, I can't believe I have to go study math again. I want you to think to yourself, I get a chance to go and be a part of this royal priesthood, these chosen people, God's special possession to praise him so that other people would come out of darkness and into light. That's your purpose. Swim with a purpose. My son Eli, when I take him to school and I drop him off in his room, I say the same thing to him every single day. I say to him, Bubba, don't forget. And he'll, he'll always like finish it for me. You're brave, honest, and loyal. You love people. You love God. Don't forget, Eli, who are you? If you ask him, who are you? He'll, he won't tell you Eli Miller. He'll say, I'm brave, honest, I'm loyal. I love people. I love God. I'll be honest, I've drilled it into his head. It's a little freaky. But I've done it for purpose. Because he's going to hear every day of school the exact opposite of that. You know it's true. The rest of his life. So I want him to always remember what God thinks about him. I want him to always remember his purpose. He's brave. He's honest. He's loyal. He loves people. He loves God. Man, if you have to write down some words in a book to take with you, if you've got to write it in your car, in your purse, in your wallet, whatever it is, to remind yourself of who you are, do it. 
If you need that to have a purpose for your life, do it. Because if you don't swim with a purpose, you'll never make it. You'll never make it in this world that we exist within. It's far too difficult. Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Lesson number two, swim with an attitude. Swim with an attitude. In fourth grade, no, it was middle school sometime, we went to a 4-H camp in Kentucky. And so there's like 400 boys all at this camp together. And if you've ever been to camp before, there's a time where you have to go do like the swim test so you can swim outside the little rope in the lake or the pool, whatever it is, you know. So all the guys, we had to go down to the, the lakeside at a certain point in time. And so every dude comes out of their cabin, 399 guys come out with shorts on, walking down to the lake to go do our swim test. We're like, here we go. We got this. Remember, I learned a very long time ago, so I know what I'm doing. So I got my shorts on, going to the lake stuff. 399 guys. One dude walks out of his cabin, coming down to the lake with us in a Speedo. Now, we're middle school dudes, so I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, what are you talking about? Got my swim test. I'm like, I know, but you have a Speedo on. He's like, I know. Like, you don't find that weird. No. So he keeps walking down the lake. I'm like, what is happening? And this one kid, I don't even know who he was, somewhere from around Kentucky, somewhere, in a Speedo. This dude could not care one second what anybody thought about him. Nothing. I don't know anybody that wears Speedos except for Italians, Stallion. But this guy, I don't, I, don't, I don't actually know that. Anyways, this dude, wearing a Speedo, not caring what anybody thought about him. Ready for his swim test. Ready to do his thing. I don't recommend you wear Speedos in any form or fashion. But someone who's willing to do that in front of everybody else, that's somebody who's got a little bit of attitude. That's someone who does not care what anybody thinks about them. You know what the world would love for you to do? The pressure from the world is to look like everybody else. Think like everybody else. Do what everybody else does. But here's the problem. That goes in direct conflict with what Christ wants us to do with our life. You have to swim with attitude. Please look at me. Don't ever apologize for being a follower of Jesus. Don't ever do it. Live your life with a bit of attitude, a bit of swagger. I'll be honest with you. When I was in middle school and I first became a believer, it was a bit of a difficult thing. People are like, you a Christian? I'm like, uh, yo, yeah. Like, what was that? I'm sorry, I can't, I got, I got things to do. But as I got older, I began to realize, what am I afraid of? Like, what am I afraid of? I'm going to live my life for Jesus with an attitude, with a swagger, and with a confidence. Swim with an attitude. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says it this way. For the Spirit of God does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. The Spirit of God that you've been given into your life, it doesn't make you timid. It doesn't make you shy. It doesn't make you ashamed. It gives you power, love, and self-discipline. Swim with an attitude. Live your life for Christ and don't be afraid of it. The world's going to talk. People are going to make fun. People are going to think you're weird. Who cares? When you turn down that thing to drink or that thing to smoke, who cares? When you're in that relationship and you're being pressured to go further, you can say no. Who cares? Who cares? When there's any kind of temptation that comes your way, Jesus said, don't be surprised. In this world, you will have trouble. But don't worry. I've overcome the world. I've given you all that you need to say no. And I've given you all that you need to say yes. So swim with a purpose and swim 
with an attitude. I shared a little bit this morning in the contemporary service about my story, but when I was in eighth grade, I realized my life had to change. I had to make some serious changes, and so I did. I dropped all my friends. I started freshman year of high school with nobody. So I walk into the school. I'm like, um, I'm not sure how to navigate this exactly. Walk into the lunchroom with no friends is like the worst thing on the planet Earth. It is terrible. So if you have friends, I would encourage you, find someone who doesn't and invite them to sit at your table, please. Please. In fact, if, especially if you're a follower of Jesus, invite them to sit with you. Then you get a captive audience. But live your life for Christ. It's the best decision that I've ever made in my life. I would never change it for anything. And so my encouragement for you tonight, every single one of you tonight is this. Come on in. The water is great. In my experience, living for Jesus has been the best life I've ever chosen. And I've lived a lot of other stuff, but it pales in comparison to what it feels like to live with a purpose for my life. To swim with a real attitude and swagger and confidence, not in myself. I don't boast in me, I boast only in Christ. That's where my confidence comes from. So I want to challenge you guys tonight. Week one of high school back for the fall. There is so much to be learned and so much to be gained. And I'm incredibly excited for all that God has for us. So I want to encourage you guys, come here on Sunday nights. Be here. Invest in your relationship with God. And then go and live it out everywhere that you go. Unapologetically. Here's the question. Are you going to sink or are you going to swim? In the world that you're in, are you going to sink or swim? Would you pray with me? Let's pray together. Father God, here's the truth. We need you. We need you every single day. We need you. And Father, I know that if these students are anything like me, my heart is so prone to wander, to leave the God that I love. But I pray for every student here tonight, God, that they would swim and they would live this life with such an intensity and such a purpose. They would live this life and they would swim in this world with a real attitude, God, a real confidence in what your son has done for them. So God, I ask that every student in this room right now would be a difference maker, a world changer, and that you would use them in this community to make a difference, God. Father, we ask for more people to come and sit in this room, God, to join what you're doing. And we ask for a depth of wisdom, Father, for these students that can only come from you. God, we love you, and we worship you with all that we have. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.